Warning, this podcast discusses the books in detail. It may contain spoilers. Welcome to Books and Brunch, a book club turned podcast. We're so glad you joined us. I'm Katera. And I'm Kara. Let's sit and chat and snack a while. Welcome back for part three of Sold on Monday by Kristen McMorris. We're on chapters 27 to 43, which is the ending of the book. And, um, and boy, I was in it. Let's take you for a ride through this one. because <laughs> Well, I told you at the end of part two, I was like hand over my mouth, like just totally like, wait, what? What's happened? What? Seriously. I, um, yeah, this one is going to be rough. So just be, it's not rough like we've had in the past where it's like emotionally painstaking but it's um definitely a little bit it certainly did not go it did not right. go how i had thought it would it's a little thrilling <laughs> a little twist twisty turny yes a little bit so we talked about that our in our last episode that lily has discovered that calvin is not at the millstone home correct and so now lily has to tell ellis this so she meets up with Ellis and says, hey, Calvin is uh, not at the house. And so Ellis then goes to visit Ruby, who they have renamed Victoria. Yes. Um, at her school. So again, Ellis, creepy McCreeperson, <laughs> is totally. standing at the fence at the school. So again, picture playground at the school and he's just chilling. Waiting. Waiting for her. Well, I think he does say that he's like reading a paper or something. And he's just kind of watching, waiting for the kids to come out so he can find an opportunity to approach her to find out where is your brother. And so, yeah, they come out for a recess and she says, um, well, my mom has Calvin. (laughs) Scratch your head. And Ellis is like, yeah. What? He doesn't tell her. No. no. Right. <laughs> he's he's he like, doesn't. oh, okay. How did that happen? And um, so then Ellis confronts Geraldine and says, uh. Well, Ruby tells Ellis that her mother sent a letter. Right. That was like, you know, I'm well, but I, I can't take both of you. Mm-hmm. And right now, your brother needs me mo- most. Because mm-hmm. he's the younger one. Because he's the younger one. Um, and so, you know, she gets this letter from her mom that's like, I'm really sorry. I wish I could take both of you. But, you know, your brother needs me most. And so I'm going to take him back and please be a good girl and whatever. Right. Right. So imagine. Ellis then goes to Geraldine. Yeah. like, what? What letter? What, what letter? is this? Where's the letter? What do you like? What happened? And she goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Um, and then they also discover that Ruby slash Victoria has replaced the millstone's deceased daughter. Oh, my gosh. Name and all. Yes. And um, when Ellis compares them or does does Lily compare? I can't remember when they're compared. They find that Ruby is the spitting image right. of their daughter, Victoria. Right. Because I think there's a painting in the house that Lily had seen, and it looked like it like was a portrait, Ruby, right? 
but it, we find out at some point we find out that it was actually Victoria in the like painted portrait. Yes. Um, and so Ellis calls Lily and she's like, I can't deal with this right now. Something's wrong with Samuel, her son. So Lily explains that Samuel um, has developed a fever. And this seems to be kind of a pattern with Samuel. He's very susceptible to fevers. And um, she doesn't want to leave his side at the bed. And so um, Geraldine, Ellis, I think, brings Geraldine to the house. To Lily's parents' house. To come help her um, take care of him. And they see how really good she is. How much Calm under pressure. Right. I mean, she's just an angel, almost. And so... Samuel gets better, and Lily's mother um, insists that it might be time for Geraldine and Ellis to leave. Right. For whatever reason, she just doesn't love them being there. Well, I get the sense from Lily's mother that she really does prefer Clayton. And I think she feels like Ellis is moving in on Clayton's territory a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that maybe she's like... He's not good enough. Right. She That's does. Right. We don't want her to screw this up with him because he can I take think care of her. There was another thing about church, and Ellis was like, "Yeah, I don't go to church." And Clayton has been a little bit more grew up open. Catholic, right. And, right? And I think that um, Ellis says that he grew up Protestant or something, right? Um, but I, I just get this feeling that mom, that Lily's mother, is like not Ellis's biggest fan, right? Uh, what we also see um when after Geraldine has like is able to get Samuel's fever to break um they kind of encourage um Ellis to take her downstairs and get her something to eat because she hasn't eaten all day because she's just been worried sick right so Ellis makes her a sandwich and they end up kissing in the kitchen and Lily's mother sees and that's when she's like well Samuel's on the mend I think it's time for Geraldine to go but Ellis brought her. So by Geraldine leaving, Ellis is leaving. So I think right. she's using that to her advantage because she doesn't want to see them connect any farther because she doesn't want her to screw up a good thing. Right. And so Ellis takes Geraldine back. And this was a really great moment for them because, you know, Lily's already made this connection with Geraldine. They're uh, friends, for the lack of better terms. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, in this car ride back to the sanitarium, he she reveals to him, I really do hope that my kids don't forget about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that they really bonded in some fashion during that time. Right. Because, but, you know, before, and Ellis was kind of like, I don't think we should do and... this. I don't think we should do this. I think we should leave it alone. And this kind of spurs him to continue. Right. It's almost like this reminder to him, it like re-impassions him that he's Mm -hmm. just like, it's not fair. It's not that she should be without her children when she was only trying to do what was best and she's crying silently in the front seat. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine what's going through her mind. Caring for someone else's child, wishing it was your own, Mm -hmm. you know, like I would love for my kid to be sick. As crazy as that sounds. Right. And so have I them could here and be able to to care for them in bed yes. and, and all those things. So Ellis is again spoken to by his boss, Walker. 
<laughs> and um, says that Alfred has called um, and basically reported Ellis and says right. that I don't want the story to be featured. Um, and so Walk- Walker mentions Giovanni Trevino. Yes. And he is a known mobster who has connections to Mr. Millstone. And so Ellis is kind of like, yeah, sure. Cool. I'll do I'll do that. That's cool. And um so Ellis then goes to Ruby's school again <laughs> as being a creeper McCreeperson again at the fence. Yeah. And um he gets arrested for trespassing because what we forgot to say, and I couldn't remember if it how many times because he seems to go to the school several times. I think he goes twice. Is it twice or three times? So the first time, remember the teacher was like, "Shoo, shoot, get out of here, or I'll have you arrested." Right. So the second time, he gets caught again by the teacher, and she has him arrested for trespassing. Right. Well, the off there's an officer that's like, "You there?" and he takes off running, and mm-hmm. he's like, "There's no way I'm going to be able to crank my car over. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it on foot," and he right. takes off and. And and accidentally accosts the officer. <laughs> I think he like elbows him in the face or something. And for looking like a creeper, stalking around. I mean, in I'm sorry. <sighs> Come on, Ellis, you didn't know better. Seriously. I mean, again, totally different times. But if some dude was just standing at the kids' school at the fence, would you be like, "What are you doing? Can I help you, sir?" Right. So Lily then returns to work and the chief chief, excuse me, asks if she's been seeking employment elsewhere because she's kind of been missing. Mm-hmm. And she's taking some time off and she says, No, but I have to tell you something. And she confesses that she has a child mm-hmm. and that she requests to do a column about single parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she says, you know, I've been living at this, um, like, house with a bunch a of other... house, yeah. Yeah, with other women, um, because I really wanted this job, and I've sacrificed this, and, you know, I do have this child, but I'm willing to work here. But I'd really like to do a column maybe about single parenting. And right. he agrees. Yep, he does. And that I love his his reaction, though, too. He's like, will the child be running the halls of the office? And she's like, No. He's like, is this kid going to be running the halls of the boarding house? She's like, no. And he's like, well, then it's not a problem. And she's kicking herself like, I could have stopped living this secret months mm-hmm. ago if I, like, would it have been, would his reaction have been different if I was a brand new employee telling him that mm-hmm. I had a child? Is his reaction the way it is currently because I've shown myself to be a competent, useful staff member? Um, it was just interesting to see mm-hmm. kind of how that played out. And he was like, well, it's not a problem then. Right. Well, thanks. So Clayton takes her out to dinner. Oh, yes. And says, Lily, I accepted a position in Chicago. And then proceeds to say, and will you marry me? I want you to come with me. And she asks her and Samuel to move with him. And she's like, but wait, you already accepted the position? And he says, yeah, I kind of had to. Right. I give I give the chief notice tomorrow mm-hmm. that I'm leaving. Right. And so she's like, I, 
I have to think about this. Like, this is a lot for me and my child to think about. Right. And so, and I think she's, and, and I think I would be too, like, miffed that he just made this decision if he had intentions right. to marry her. Yeah, I, I, I tried to put myself in her shoes and she really does kind of go back and forth because she's very mm-hmm. flattered, right? Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have to work. She could, she could stay and raise Samuel and not her parents, right? Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that coin is I don't think she would be happy being mm-hmm. a housewife. She just got permission to write her own column. Right. And she, you know, she, I think deep down, I mean, they mention in part one that she kind of had this stack of uh, articles and things that she had written in college and she'd shown them to the chief and he was like, Psh, what is this? You know, right. Uh, your little whatever newspaper clippings are not a big thing in a, in a big, in a big time, in a big city's, you know, newspaper, you know. And so I think she's like kind of weighing her options. Like, yes, it would be wonderful to be quote unquote taken care of and not have to worry and to be able to raise Samuel in a way that she wants him raised mm-hmm. And for her to do the raising, but at the you know, but at the same time, she's going to lose this opportunity to mm-hmm. before she even has it, right? To write this call, and I think she said to Clayton, like, <clears throat> "Your timing is really poor, <laughs> for lack of better words." Sorry, Clayton. Right, right. So then, um, Ellis is booked into the jail. And Alfred appears. And this is where it gets a little bit more creepy. That you're like, oh. And Ellis was like, what what are you doing here? And so Alfred talks to Ellis and says um, that he needs to understand what is going on. That, um, and Sylvia also appears. Oh, yeah. And she begs for all communication to be over. Between him and Lily and everybody. Right. And Ellis and, insists. And Victoria slash right. Ruby. Stay away right. from the school. Right. And Millstone even says, well, I I told the officer. Like, mm-hmm. so Millstone put the officer on that and said, look, right. he's already shown up to the school once. I think he's going to show up again. Um, mm-hmm. And who knows what he really told the officer. He could have told the officer that Ellis was a danger. Right. To her. Right. Um, but so, yeah, he certainly is. Right. And so Ellis is kind of insistent on finding out where Calvin is, despite them saying, let it go. Let it go. You have no business here. And Sylvia blackmails Ellis into not pushing him anymore and saying that they threaten that um, he'll, he'll be charged with having an inappropriate relationship with Ruby. Oh, Lord. And Ellis is like, go ahead. How are they going to how, how are you going to prove that? Flip side. Is that he's shown up to the school twice. And at their house. And at their house. Looking like a creeper. <laughs> right. Um, and so, <clears throat> you know, and, and Sylvia kind of presents it to him, which is where we start to see her sort of unravel a little bit. Yes. Because she's like, oh, you want to test me? Like, I think of, like, Fatal Attraction, Glenn Close. <laughs> like, oh, you want me to... You want me to tell you how I can get you to do that? Right. Let me stick this bunny in a in a pot of boiling oh. water. 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, she creeped me out in that scene for sure. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I'd be like, okay, you're right. I'm done. Okay. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> and doesn't she say something along the lines of if he is uh, agreeable to her terms, then she would drop the charges and he yes. would be let out of jail. Yes. So I think he kind of feels like he has no choice. Right. But right. at the same time, he doesn't want it back down because he wants to know where Calvin is. Right, and I is. think I think if I remember correctly, he says like I said okay, just to kind of be done with it and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Lily gets a visit from Millstone's maid Claire. Who yes, we met I remember she um, was like walking home in the dark, even. And she's like, has this feeling that there's someone following her, and she like clutches her purse. She's got Clayton's engagement ring in her coin purse. Uh-huh. She doesn't want to wear it, and I don't blame her. Right. Uh, but so she's got it in her coin purse, and she's like clutching her purse, and she hears so- someone call out for her, and she realizes it's a woman. And again, we had this com- we know we had this you know right. conversation that it. There's just, like, safety within women. And so she mm-hmm. felt like, oh, it's just, I'll just turn around. And right. she's like, you know, it's Claire, uh, Miss Millstone's help. Mm-hmm. And so she has this conversation with Claire. And Claire confesses Calvin was at the house. Yes. And he cried relentlessly yes. for his mama. And that, Oh, my heart. I know. And she, Claire... Was forced to bring Calvin to a children's home on orders from Sylvia. Yes. And so when Lily asks her about the letter and she says, the missus made me write it. She told me what to write, but that was my handwriting. I had to write the letter for Ruby. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I didn't want any part of it, but my sister is sick and I couldn't lose this job. Right. And, oh, and I, and I just... When she talks, she mentions that Calvin just was so trusting of her and she told him that they were going to go to the zoo or something along that those lines. You could tell that Claire was just heartbroken that she would have to lie. That she had, yeah, that she had this ugly piece of the story she had to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that Calvin clung to her arms when the staff at the children's home took her, took him from her. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't. I my heart, my heart. So, Lily, but so now Lily has this information mm-hmm. and she's like, I need to find, Ellis. I need to find Ellis. So Ellis's father comes and bails him out. And one of the things I was thinking about when I read this was, have you ever had to ask for a favor from someone you were at odds with? Like, you know, Ellis and his father haven't been speaking there that the last time they saw each other was Mm. at the restaurant when they were arguing and dad stormed out and so now ellis has had to sort of swallow his pride and say uh dad can you come bail me out and so you know i I just wondered have you ever been in the situation where you've had to kind of either like swallow your pride kind of thing and say i know that we're like not in good terms right now, but I sort of need you to help me out with something. Right. Um. Do you have one? Because I, I think I need a second to kind of... I know. I was just thinking, as I, I'm so bad because I write down these questions. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then you didn't answer. Um, um, I think my fir- my brain first goes to my mom. I don't have a, a good relationship with my mom like I used to. Uh, we had a large falling out and... 
and it wasn't sometimes falling falling outs happen over very small things and you're just like wait why did we have that fight uh, but I mean you know the backstory and it's not something that I want to get into but it was a very large prominent um, piece of our relationship and um, she chose a man over someone who hurt her grandkids mm-hmm. and rather than sustain a relationship that was toxic we told her that if she was not willing to kind of follow rules that we'd put in place to keep our children safe that you know she couldn't see them um and so I started working on that's the backstory but I'd started working on I love to cook I love to bake and I'd started working on a recipe book for my kids Um, I don't have any of my mom's recipes. I don't have a lot of things. I was thinking the other day that I don't have photos. I don't, I think I have a handful of photos of myself as a kid. Uh, but I don't have photos of like me and my grandparents or me and my siblings when we were young or even me and my, my dad or my stepdad. I don't have any of those. Uh, but so I was working on this, a recipe book for the kids and I, um, had just reached texted her and was like, Hey, um, uh, I'm looking for some recipes. I know we're not like on the greatest, but like, you know, I'd like to be able to pass some things down to the kids. And this is something that I thought was important and not even just recipes, but handwritten. And I know that like your husband, Mm -hmm. his mother passed and he has a a book Mm -hmm. of her recipes Mm -hmm. and while I think that's really awesome, I hate that it's typed. And I think that's just personal, right? Like, in my head, I'm like, it would be great if it was written, like, handwritten. Mm-hmm. But to have just one more thing of hers, right, that can continue. Well, we do have... Um, I remember your <laughs> gift. Uh, but so that was one thing I was yeah. like, so I'd reached out to my mom and I was like, you know, I know that, like, her pasta salad is something that I've never really been able to recreate Mm-hmm. Not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, you know, the kids love it. Josh loves it. I'd love to, you know, be able to save it for them. And there's things that, like, I've worked really hard on tweaking. I found a great peanut butter cookie recipe. And I tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked and baked for weeks to, like, perfect it. And now it's like, those are mom's peanut butter cookies. So I want one day, like, my girl to bake these peanut butter cookies for her children and be like, my mom used to make these cookies, these mm-hmm. very same cookies. And I, you know, so that's it was important to me. And so she typed up kind of, but she cooks like I cook. And so she was like, about this much, about like a whole onion and like maybe three or four stalks of salt. You know, mm-hmm. she kind of like... <laughs> There's, approximated <laughs> there's so many things that you just like have to mm-hmm. have a feel for and so if you're not everyone is ad- very adept in the kitchen and so I have a hard time sometimes saving recipes because I'm like how much was that did I you just kind of eyeball it and you're like that's about right mm-hmm. so it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's hard to be super precise mm-hmm. uh but that was one thing I did was like it wasn't for me it was for the kids and so I you know, was like, hey, so I know this isn't like, this might be weird because it's me and you having this conversation, but this Mm -hmm. is something I would like to do for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you be willing to share them? And she was able, she sent me two different recipes to save Mm -hmm. for the kids. So, yeah. 
I think for me, I try to avoid conflict. So I try to me avoid too. these situations <laughs> like at all costs. So sometimes I can be kind of, I don't want to say a people pleaser, but be the person who's like, okay, uh, okay, okay. Right. Um, yeah, I don't do drama. And no. so that's that part is especially hard. Yeah. Um, um, but-, but I did have a situation recently um, with a coworker that we had a misunderstanding. Yes. And I, um, I had to, like, ask her some questions. And, again, like... And I had actually talked to my supervisor about this being like, you know, I have to maintain a relationship with her because I have to work with her. Right. And so, you know, I went in and we had a good conversation. I was like, hey, like, I need to talk to you about this because we have to work together. And so it was a really good conversation. But, yeah, it was that initial, like, (coughs) conversation with her to be like, hey, I need this information from you. Um, Right. felt really like... You know, kind of like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that you really don't want to talk to me in this moment. um, But I also need you. Right. Um, And that can, you know, so I felt. It's not about us. It's about a patient. Right. And I'm sure, I'm sure that I've had this issue with, like, personally, too. I just can't think of anything at the moment. But I can kind of relate, especially now, more recently, um, with Ellis being like, ugh. I know, but I mean, you're it. Like, I don't have. I can't imagine calling my mom knowing that I don't have a relationship with her. Right. And be like, like, hey, can you bail me out of jail? Right. Um, And so he does. He comes and he does. And they're in the car and it's super tense. And I would not want to be in that car, by the way. Oh, no. I mean, I would love to be a fly on the wall. (laughs) But Ellis apologized and said look i know that i've done wrong in this you know relationship of ours um and he reveals that he felt so the dad um reveals that he fell asleep when ellis ellis's brother stopped breathing so apparently what happened was ellis had got injured and mom had to take him to the doctor yeah i think he broke his arm yeah and so dad was left with the baby yeah and he had just come home from a long shift at work or something and fell asleep right and And was napping right and so when they came home mom was like oh my gosh what happened right um, and so Ellis is like, whoa, okay. Right. I don't think Ellis understood the guilt that his dad probably carried. Right. Um, even though it wasn't his fault, I think he feels responsible for not being like if he'd been awake, he, you know, could have held the baby or woken him mm-hmm. up or maybe he would have seen that he wasn't doing well right? and could have intervened. And I think that. Um, I think, you know, all those years he just harbored that and kept it all to himself. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that in general, men can be very stoic and hold their emotions in and they feel mm-hmm. like they can't cry mm-hmm. um, or they're not allowed to feel certain things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he feels guilty and he's allowed to feel guilty. You and I have had this conversation mm-hmm. like. You're allowed to feel guilty if you have a relationship that ends on a on a bad note or like in Ellis's father's case, like mm-hmm. he's holding this guilt. You can feel guilty. You can feel sad. You can feel bad. You just can't live there. Right. You can't dwell mm-hmm. on it. You have no. to be able to 
learn from it, grow mm-hmm. from it, move past it. And I think Ellis's father this whole time has been harboring all of this guilt and maybe almost resenting Ellis um, mm-hmm. in, in, in a fashion or in a way. Um, in a way that it's enough that Ellis well, I kind think of there was senses moment. like yeah I think there was a moment where he was like I wish it was you because had you not broken your arm your mother would have been there and right. saw that your brother right. was not breathing and, and Ellis said well maybe the wrong child died Maybe he would have been one to make you proud and make you happy, and right. instead he's the one that's gone. And You're I'm stuck here. with me. Sorry, right. um, it's and hard. So, right, and so then Ellis goes back to work. It's awkward. I mean, can you, I can't imagine going back to work after all. That. Oh my gosh! <laughs> You're right. Like, all right. Well, let me just go to work. But maybe it was a good distraction. And his friend Dutch that we met before gets him a good story. And so he is also scheduled to meet Lily about Calvin. Um, And then he's walking out of the office and is approached by two men with pistols. He goes to the bank to talk to Alfred, to Millstone. Oh, I missed that part. And they are parked behind him Mm, in this black... Fancy car. Whatever they called it, Right. Right. Um, in this black vehicle and he recognizes the driver mm-hmm. and he's like, you can come. And they like open their jacket and show him this gun. And he's like, okay, coming. <laughs> not going to say no to that. Right. Um, and so he's like getting in the car is better than being thrown in the trunk. I will get in the car with you. Right. Sure. We'll do that. Absolutely. And Lily is waiting for him. Oh, they because like she a- has taken the train. Right, they have like a meeting spot that they had agreed upon, and um, so she's there, she's waiting, um, but he doesn't arrive. So she decides, well, I'm going to go to the house myself. So they were originally going to meet and take the train so they could go together to... The children's home. To the children's home, right, and they were going to talk to the owner of the children's Mm -hmm. home just to inquire if Calvin was still there. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she does. She decides mm-hmm. to walk in her heels like a mile and a half. Now, you go, girl. Cause... First off, I don't own heels. Not one pair anymore. Uh, I cannot imagine walking in heels. From I would have been like Listen, carrying them bad boys. Ronnie and I had our <laughs> engagement photos done in these like three. Well, I was wearing them, not Ronnie. Um, was That'd wearing these hilarious. <laughs> We had these engagement photos done when we got engaged, and I had bought these heels. They were like three and a half inches, maybe four, mm -hmm, because I was going to be at my cousin's wedding, and You needed to break them in anyway, right? Yes, because, so I was paired with this like six foot four bride, uh, uh, groomsman, and so I was like, well, little old... Little me uh, is <laughs> going to look kind of weird with a 6'4 man. So I bought these huge heels, which were cute. And when I tried them on, they were comfy. Um, so <laughs> they're, they're for standing, not for walking. That's right. So Or sitting. Um, the photographer had us kind of walking around downtown. Well, not downtown. I, guess, I don't know the geography very well. But it's in like a historic part of Richmond. Um, Monument Ave that's been like in the news all the time right now but unfortunately it's very beautiful for you know other reasons besides what's going on but 
in any case. But, I mean, we had to, like, walk up and down the streets and cobblestone stuff. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, my gosh. I tripped. I fell and, like, scraped (gasps) my knee. Oh, no. In these, like, four-inch heels. And so, yeah, that would have not gone well with me. No. No, I would have gotten, I would have left the train station and taken them off and carried them. Mm-hmm. You walk in the grass if you need to, girl. Like. That's right. I mean, no. <laughs> nope. And so when she goes to the home, she finds out that Calvin has been adopted and that the director will not give her any information. Nope. I mean, and he has I her escorted out. Yeah. You can leave now. <laughs> it seems so crazy to me. I mean, so first we have this doctor who's just like, yeah, here's Geraldine's Hippo life violation. Life, violation. life information. <laughs> right. And then she goes and inquires just about like, hey, where's this kid? Where's this kid? I'm just curious where right. this kid I'm is. I'm a friend of the family and, and I just want to like, make sure he's okay. Nope, we're not telling you anything. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a, a hard um thing to process. Like, what do you what do you mean? I've come all this way. I've walked in heels sir (laughs) you're gonna give me some information stab you with this heel sir seriously (laughs) like i just don't uh, she is a a, like she's feisty she is a feisty one Uh, but so she's escorted out by this large woman Mm -hmm. um and is you know the door's locked behind her Mm -hmm. she's like see you later okay and now she's gotta walk back to the train station right poor thing right so you know, Ellis is kidnapped, basically. And he's taken to the Royal Dining Club, um, where he... I think that's the same restaurant that he had dinner with his parents. And this is where that underground casino is. Yes. And so he discovers that he was brought to meet with Max Trevino, which is in this mob family, mm-hmm. who is also, dun-dun-dun, Sylvia's brother. Sylvia Millstone's brother. Sylvia is Sylvia Trevino Millstone. So Max decides to help get um, Ruby back after Ellis shares all this information that what's gone on. Because Max is like, what do you mean my sister replaced her daughter with another daughter? Right. He didn't know. Uh, One, I don't know how you can't figure that out but i don't know we just don't know what the relationship looks Mm -mm. like what that dynamic is like and he's like seems appalled like what do you mean oh no no you can have her back Mm -hmm. she's not my niece and if it's making my sister crazy and depressed and all of these things i also question whether or not sylvia millstone is maybe uh manic depressive Mm -hmm. she seems to have really great days and then like so stumbling days. into drinking and you know it's just very very Unstable. low spaces yeah so yeah but yeah it's, it's like wait wait what right so this explains all sorts of things with alfred millstone and yes. why they were why he was linked to the trevinos mm-hmm. and so he's just kind of like let go like i just imagine you know in some of those, Take like, movies. Take him back to his car. Yeah. Like, just kind of, like, shoved out of the car and, like... Right? drive off. <laughs> yeah. I think they take him home. And he's like, well, it's a good thing I know where my car is. Right. <laughs> 
So Ellis and Lily finally get to meet up and they catch each other up about what each other has done. And, yes. Uh, Lily uh, schemes for them to break into the orphanage. She has this like <laughs> elaborate plan. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. So that they can find and more Ellis information. Ellis is like, are you kidding me? Right. I've just been arrested. What are you doing? I don't want to get arrested again. Right. Um, and so then Lily reveals the proposal from Clayton and Ellis is really taken aback by this. Yeah. I think he's hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think this is on the car ride to the orphanage that she tells him. I think so, so. Okay. They are scheming to break in. She tells this like emotionally charged like, hey, this other man um, is in love with me and wants to marry me. Even though, like, at this point, you can tell that Ellis has a thing for her. Yes. And, I mean, they kissed in the kitchen. Right. And she even says, you know, that was just a moment. And I was just so excited. I was just so overjoyed that Samuel was well. Mm -hmm. And that he was going to recover. And it was just an emotionally charged Mm -hmm. thing. And it won't happen again. And, you know, Clayton's a good man. And he wants to take care of us. And Ellis, like, seriously. Yeah. He's like, uh, okay. And then they um, they arrive at the children's home. They successfully break in. In through a window. Through, right. In some random classroom. They find Calvin's file when they, and then as they're leaving, they've done all of this. A yeah. light turns on. Yeah. And they are caught. I think they drop something. Uh, I don't remember clearly about that, but I remember that like a light turned on and they were like, "Uh oh, we gotta go. It's time for us yes. to go." Yes, yes. And so they're leaving out the same window, and um, this woman, she, I can't remember if she's like a house mother or a maid. She's, uh, I don't want to be mean, but like lower on the totem pole of employees. I think she might have been like a maid or I think a janitor she was the one that, or something. She was like the one that. that answered the door. Right. She's, some, um, she's not someone who. Mildred. Yeah. And they beg her, please just let us leave. Please just let us leave. This is about Calvin. And um, and she says, okay, just go. Just, just go. go. Get out of here. Yep. Because I think someone else was, like, coming towards. Yeah, and I, I remember reading that Lily was like, it's me, it's me, it's me, for earlier. Do you remember me? <laughs> right. Like, please don't. Right. Um. Yeah, and so she spots Calvin's file in her hand, and she's like, are you kidding? And she's like, the boy I came for earlier. I just need to know where he is. Um. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And so she's right. like, go on, th- get. Because, because the director was coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's who turned the light on or right. something. Right. So they decide to go to the house where Calvin has actually been adopted to. And um, they want to get there before the director can get there and warn the family. Yes. he. They want to beat him to the punch. And if he calls them, then they're certainly going to miss out right. on their opportunity. Right. Um, Ellis and Lily go to the gantries. That's who now has Calvin. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Okay. Again. Creepy. And they report that they bought... So the family is there. 
like yes. awake so and outside. Like, I realized, well, I think that um, well, it was out in the country. They're way out in the country and driving past houses. There was actually no lights on, mm-hmm. um, and they get up to the porch, and um, Ellis knocked, and they said it felt like an eternity. And the door opened halfway, and it was a woman, and she had, like, a kerosene lamp. And she's like, what do you want? And they're like, Mrs. Gantry? And they're like, yes. You know, and they're like, I realize it's late, but... uh," And then her husband's like, who's down there? And he Mm -hmm. comes to the door. He's like, well, it better well damn be... Or better... I don't know. What better will be important? Come, I got, you know, I've got stuff to do in the morning. I've got fields to tend to. I've got a job to do. Um, And they were like... You know, if you're here to sell something, I don't want it. And they're like, actually, we're about something else. We're here about a boy named Calvin who uh, that you and your wife took in. And And he says, well, we bought him so that he could be field work. He could do field work. Right. And they're like, wait, bought him? Bought him fair and square. We paid extra money for his shots and his paperwork. So I have no interest talking to you. Um, And Ellis goes, but... What if I were to buy him from you? What if I paid you? Right. Um, And he says, the problem is that I don't have money on me right now. I'd have to go to the bank and get money and and come back and get him. And Mr. Gantry goes, get off my property and like is running Right. He's like, if you come back, you're going to come back. I'll have a shotgun. Right. Um, And they're like, sure, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. You know, So they run, they get back in the car. And they just sit there. And they notice a light. In yes. the barn. So they decide, well, let's get out of the car again. And yeah. they go into the barn. And who do they find? Oh, little Calvin. Calvin. And they try to help him escape because, and he's terrified. And they're like, no, no, we know your mom and we know Ruby. And do you remember me? I'm the one who took the picture. Um, yeah. But in the process of like, explaining themselves the horse freaks out and of course mr gantry comes and um and hears and runs after them with shotgun Uh, (laughs) and then he gets in his truck and um and luckily they lose him in the pursuit right well i think the part uh, so I really struggled when they find him right i really struggled Mm. when they're like they find him cowering cowering um and they're not sure if this is like his normal spot to sleep Mm -hmm. um but they're like we're getting you out of here i can't believe you're here i'm the i'm the friend of your mom's and your sister's and he's like do you remember i bought all those flowers those dandelions from your sister Mm -hmm. and it like registers to calvin oh yeah i do remember him he was such a nice man he bought all my sister's flowers Mm -hmm. um and so he said, that's the day I took a picture of you guys on the porch. And it like hits Ellis like, if I had never taken that picture, he would, this boy would never be sitting in this, right. um, be sitting in this barn, in this stall. Um, and so they're, you know, trying to, if you want to be with your mom and sister again, you've got to come with us. Don't be scared. Please don't be scared. Um, and so they're, you know, trying to encourage him and they like hum a tune that his mom would sing. And so Ellis is like, are you ready to go see her? And Calvin nodded. And um, Ellis says, I'm going to pick you up now. 
And then once he had him, Ellen started to stand. Uh, um, Ella started to stand up, and he said there was something that clinked, and then it like yanked them back down to the floor. And they learned that Calvin is shackled by his ankle to the barn floor. And I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine being Calvin. I cannot imagine being Ellis or Lily seeing a child that way and in those conditions. And, Cal- and Ellis just, like, snaps. And he decides he's going to cut this thing off. <laughs> and I think they try, like, a big pair of pliers and can't get it loose. And then they try an axe. And after a second try- swing with an axe, he's able to get it loose. And um, he picks him up. Um, and he's, like, you know, just takes off, right? Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, run, because he can see uh, a light upstairs in the house. And it's like traveling past a window. And he knows that someone's coming. And he's like, run. And then he hears this man yelling, Mr. What is it? Mr. What? Gantry. Gantry. Yelling, you get back here. Um, and so he opens the door and they jump in. And uh, Mr. Gantry jumps in his truck. And it like stalls out. And they're like, in this pursuit with both of these cars who have stalled and he gets his truck running mm-hmm. and Ellis is like on the road and he like sweeps into like a parking lot or whatever and turns off the truck and sits still and Mr. Gantry's truck passes right by them and so they make this decision to take Calvin back to Ellis's apartment back to Ellis's apartment mm-hmm. to let him sleep and they're going to get some rest and um, they call Geraldine and let her know yes. that he's there and they reunite. And so they've already concocted a plan to go back and get Ruby. But they had scheduled for like 9 a.m. And now it's like 6 a.m. And she's like, let's go. Let's I'm go going now. now. Yeah. Although, can I just say, I almost cried when um, Geraldine sees Calvin mm-hmm. and she just like gasps and it says like she gets on her knees on the floor and she holds her arms out and she's like it's me baby it's your mama and he doesn't even say anything and when he like finally gets to her he puts his arm around her arms around her neck and she just like wants to cry um and she kisses his cheeks and she's like i love you i love you i love you and he just says i love you too mama and i was like oh my word i can't Mm -hmm. imagine because at this point, I think it had said that he'd been in the in the children's home for two months. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably a little bit more than two months. So thankfully, he had not been in Mr. Gantry's possession for very long mm-hmm. to be. I mean, I don't know how you can withstand treatment like that for very long, right? Um, but so Mrs. Dillard, Geraldine is like, no, we're going now. Like, <laughs> but what if, but what if by the time we get there, they're already gone? And Ellis is like. We'll take my car. <laughs> we'll take my car. Yeah. We will sort this out. So then they arrive at the millstones and Sylvia is getting ready to leave. Ellis hears Sylvia and Alfred arguing. Mm-hmm. And Ruby sees her mom and runs to her. Yes. Sylvia then attempts to shoot Geraldine. because She has a gun. 
someone oh as Lord. unstable as Sylvia has a gun. Yeah, Alfred was like, you guys wait outside. You know, we'll send Ruby, Ruby out. Victoria out. Um, and Alfred's like, please, Sylvia, don't make this more difficult. We'll get through this together. Um, it's not about her. It's about us. Like, we can get through this mm-hmm. together. And then Sylvia confesses um whatever she says something like you told me to say it was me um that's what you wanted all along right you told me to tell them that i was the one driving the car but you were the one that had been driving the car you'd been drinking too much brandy and it was you all along and you planned it this way and he's like it was an accident like i didn't mean to kill our daughter Mm -hmm. like it was an accident Mm -hmm. the roads were slick whatever right and so, um, meanwhile, Geraldine and like, and Ruby, I mean, and Geraldine, Lily and Calvin and Ellis yes. are there like overhearing this. And can you imagine being like, oh my Right. Gosh. What is happening? So Ruby runs outside to her mama. Geraldine takes them both by the hand and she's just like, we're getting out of here. We're not staying another moment. She wasn't, like, ugly about it. She was just like, I'm their mother. We're leaving now. Right. Um, And Ellis jumps in front of the bullet. Yeah. So Alfred's like, Sylvia, no. And so Ellis turns around and he's like, what is happening? He sees Sylvia with this revolver aimed at Geraldine. And he's and Alfred's like, honey, give me the gun. You don't need to do this. Uh, but Sylvia's, like, disconnected. Oh, yeah. Totally She's in another totally, mind. Yeah. Um, separate from herself oh, at this yeah. point. She's totally dissociated she's just had this, yeah, from mental the break. Yeah. Um, and then Ellis is like, "Mrs. Millstone, you know, no one's. What does he say? He like he stands in the line of fire, and he's like, if you want to blame anyone, blame me. Like you should blame me, not them. I'm begging you.' And she just like was looking through Ellis at Geraldine, mm. and it says before Ellis could even think, he lunged forward. A shot exploded from the barrel, and he said it felt like a red-hot poker in his side. Mm -hmm. But so he said they were, like, fighting on the floor for the gun, Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't want to give up. And then the last thing he heard before kind of this darkness took over was another shot and then a woman screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't imagine. Like, I just, I, I, I picture him feeling empowered, but helpless at the same time. Like, he's injured. I don't know, you know, what is he really going to accomplish? But he doesn't want to give up hope that he can be, mm-hmm. he can stop something terrible from happening, you know? I mean, and this is, so, probably from, like, chapter 37, where we, like, where they start to break into the children's home and everything. Through this whole, like, last couple of chapters, this is where I was like, ah. How can I stop now? Right? And, and I had a child interrupt my reading and I was like, dude, I can't. I I'm not, I got to finish. <laughs> and um just all this sort of drama, I guess, you yeah. know, of just like this explosion ironically, you know, of right. like it going bad quickly. And I mean, how do you even see that coming right i mean they knew that she had some problems mentally obviously yeah. you know, obviously to concoct this story and 
replace, I mean, literally replace their daughter. And, um, but to go to the extent to have a revolver and... I, yeah, I just, it's it's a little mind-blowing for sure. For sure. And so the next scene is that they're now at the hospital and Lily is there. With the children. With the children. And they're just kind of waiting for news, right? right? I think they had like kind of fallen asleep in the waiting room. They hear some of the news on the TV. Yeah. I think there was like some news kind of Or radio around. maybe. Um, um, and then the detective comes in to talk to Lily. And they find out that Ellis and Geraldine were both shot. Yes. But the doctors say that they'll both be fine. That Ellis um, had no bullet fragments in him and that he would recover. Uh, But Geraldine's um, injuries were more severe. Was it to her legs? No. So... um, I can't remember what body part she. So Ellis suffered. Ellis suffered a fractured rib, um, and had needed a blood transfusion. Um, Geraldine, it says the bullet that struck her, her back shattered mm. a small but important bone, um, and they were concerned about they were concerned about permanent damage to her spinal cord, which means that potentially she could use the the um, use of her legs, um, and so. The doctor had said, "Well, a little to the left or to the right, and we would have been in far more trouble." Your, lo- your, you know, your mom is a lucky woman, mm-hmm. um, and so Ruby's like, "She's okay." And he's like, "There, she'll have swelling, and she'll need some exercises, but she should be fine." Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, it's, I mean, it's a miracle mm-hmm. um, that she wasn't killed, or for sure, you know, it's just, ugh, I can't so, even. Yeah, no. I can't. And then Clayton, I think, comes to the hospital. So uh, he and Lily have a conversation. Oh, yes. And she says, you know what? I I can't. I can't marry you. I can't move to Chicago. I can't do those things. Right. And she's like, I'm sorry. There's so much more I should have told you. Mm-hmm. And I have no excuse. And she's like, I care for you. And what you're offering is incredible. But I can't. I just, I just can't. Yeah. I can't do it. I won't be going to Chicago. And I remember <coughs> reading that it was like there was less disappointment and more acceptance. Like, okay, well, I kind of knew this was the outcome, but at least I have the answer right. now. Right. Right. Um, and he kissed her on the cheek and told her to take care. And uh, so she goes in. To visit with him. She goes in to visit with Ellis to see him and. You know, make sure he's okay. And And his parents are there. Yes. And they very, very politely, like, bow out. That they're like, we'll let you catch up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll be out here. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Right. And she reveals to Ellis, look, I broke things off with Clayton. And um, I'm not, you know, it's not going to work. And so then they sort of have this playful moment of talking about, well, why don't you and Samuel move in with me? Yes. And um, and then they kiss. Oh. I know. And yeah. then it just ends. <laughs> and so it's like this really cute moment and then it just Yeah, is so over. they like have this moment and she's like, you know, in another year he'll be in school and by then we'll have more savings and if I write this column and it does well, 
Um, you know, she's like, I was thinking we could find a, a, an apartment of our own in the city with other families by a park. Um, and she's kind of like dreaming, dreaming. What is, uh, what's the girl's name in little shop of horrors? And she's like somewhere that's green. And she dreams of her little picket, her little house <laughs> with the white picket fence. Right. Um, and so she's just like, you know, with a table that can hold a typewriter by a window and we'll have planner boxes and, mm-hmm. um, and, and Ellis is like, yes, like that sounds, it's perfect. It's mm-hmm. perfect. So they do, they kiss and, um, and Samuel comes running in the room and, uh, she kisses him on the forehead or something and, um, and Samuel asks, will he be okay, Mommy? And she says, he sure will, sugar bug. We all will. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. And I'm like, can we get a little follow-up? Because. Like a prologue or something? Even, even if it's like two, a, a page. Right. You know, Ellison, you know, Lily goes on to write an amazing column that is picked up by other papers and her and Ellis get married and Samuel has a baby sister. Like, can I get I something? <laughs> can I get something? Sylvia rots in jail for attempted murder of two people. I just, yeah. So I gave this book a five out of five because... Like, at first it was a little slow, and I was like, okay, okay, like, okay. And then it got me, and I was like, okay, now it's like, right? oh my gosh, I'm oh my in. gosh, oh my I'm gosh. <laughs> and then it just stops. Um, So I gave it a five out of five because I thought it was well written. I thought Kristen McMorris did a great job and just, uh, you know, her writing was just, it was good. Um, but I was slightly displeased with the way that it ended. I'm yeah. also just not a fan generally of like standalone books when they just end abruptly because I'm all for like knowing the story. The nice rounded end. Right. This reminds me very much of Are You Sleeping by mm-hmm. Kathleen Barber. Like it ends mm-hmm. kind of abruptly and you're like, well, it's great for shock value. Right. <laughs> I'm like, but wait, but. What but happens for a, next? For, for a book lover who, like, lives in a book. Right. I want this to be, like, the end of a movie where right. before they run credits, they're like, and they live happily ever after. And this person served a life sentence. And right. This per- like, I need... <laughs> the little, I need, like, blurbs yes, with their pictures. Yes. Right. I'm like, I need, the, yeah, I con- I need the, the finality of having all of the details. I know. And so, you know, that was my probably one criticism. and But, I mean... It reflects how some of the chapters also ended, that it was very kind of cut and dry at some points. So that's that would be my only really criticism of this book is that um, I felt like it it just kind of ended. Right. Um, and some of the story I felt was a little kind of dragged on at some points. Right. Um, but, man. Okay, so I have, I have two last questions for us. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been so mad you wanted to shoot someone? <laughs> I don't know that shooting someone is necessarily <laughs> like how I would have chosen to hurt a person. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I joke that sometimes I want to punch my husband. Um, and my second question, I already know the answer to. Have you ever been shot? <laughs> uh, not with a bullet, but I've been sprayed with 
may, like pepper spray. How do you really? Twice. Girl. College days. Ahead. I was going to say, what, <laughs> what were you doing to put yourself in that position? So both times we were at nightclubs. <laughs> oh, my word. Remind me and never. The, <laughs> and the clubs were like closed. So it's like two in the morning and you're waiting for the cab. So you're standing on the sidewalk and a fight broke out both times, both times. And so if you know anything about pepper spray and mason stuff is that it doesn't just like localize. It pretty much travels with the air. right? Right. It's kind of it's airborne. And so I was not close to where it was sprayed, but it just sort of like blew in in my direction both times, unfortunately. And let me tell you, it is an unpleasant experience. So when we've been kind of going through all these like protests and stuff, I felt for people who are getting sprayed, whether it was right or wrong, because, okay, so we're all supposed to be wearing masks and not breathing on one another, yet you have this pepper spray stuff sprayed at you, which goes into every orifice. I mean, it is eyes, nose, mouth. And so you not only have it stinging your eyes, like, ugh. I mean, just think of, like, you get, like, a little, like, black pepper, like, put in your eye, like, somehow. And it's itchy. And and then it's in your nose, and, like, it stings a little. And in your throat, it just, like, stays there. Like, you know when you want to throw up and you just have that, like, acidic, like, ugh, burn? In your throat, like, Or, like, acid reflux or something. Yeah, Yeah, and you can't clear it. Like, and, you know, they say water helps it, but it just, like, takes time to just kind of... Dissolve or go away. Or whatever it does. And so, yeah, it's awful. I wasn't (laughs) expecting that with my question. I just totally asked it as a joke. Yeah, I've I've, not been shot with a gun. I've never been shot with a gun. I've never seen a real gun. I have fired a gun. Really? I fired a gun. We have one. I want to learn how to shoot a gun. We have one. Um, We have one mostly for, I mean, not mostly. We have one for protection. Um, Josh required me to learn how to, like, you know, unlock it. I mean, we have a lock on it. So I had to learn how to unlock it and chamber it and a safety off and the whole thing and you know it really started with like if someone was to come in at the time he was working all the time like out of the house and um traveling sometimes for work and he was like if something was to happen you get all the kids as far away from the door as you can like as far back into the house as you can and then you have to let yell i have a gun get out of my house i'm calling the police um, but you're, you absolutely have to let them know I have a gun. You have to warn them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you leave. I'm armed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, uh, not my favorite. It's, it's very empowering, but his gun, I was not, I don't remember exactly what kind that we own or he owns, uh, but it had quite a bit of kickback and I think I would have enjoyed target practice. I'm quite good, um, with my aim, but, uh, the, because the kickback, it's just very jarring. I was not a huge fan of firing it, but it was our require, like our agreed. If we're going to have one in the house, I need to know how to be safe with it, which com- makes complete sense, For right? Sure. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. I have mm-hmm. fired a gun, but I've never been fired at. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. Right. <laughs> 
never been fired at. But I hope you guys loved this book. Yeah, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm glad that we were able to read through this. Our next, um, our next, I guess, it's not book, but next episodes will be a little bit different. We thought we'd kind of change stuff up, especially so it's back to school and Sometimes, you know, back to school is kind of that, like, refresh, restart, renew. And so we thought we'd kind of do some, like, maybe reviewing of our, like, top five list. Or we haven't decided yet what we might show, like, do for you. Um, So it'll be a surprise, but tune in to see what it is that we yes. talk about. We, we've got a few things up our sleeves just to kind of change things up, keep you guys intrigued and... and um you know, wanting more. So if you have ideas for either books or ideas, topics, whatever, we are open to those. So um, definitely send us a DM on Instagram at Books and Brunch Podcast, or um, you can email us at Books and Brunch Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we'll have another grab bag giveaway with those, um, but we'll have the giveaway also with Sold on a Monday. So definitely enter for that. And um, we look forward to our next time with you so that we can sit and chat and snack a while. Bye. Bye.